Yes, it is. Adorama's tape doing it. Here, I'll help you. Everything, everything gets recycled. So all of the old choir music goes in. Okay, well, we don't want to leave a, a dud pencil for anyone else. What would you do to this, Sophie? You really chewed it up. Yes. I'm pretty sure we do, but I can double check. I'll say, because I'm going to Tennessee and I won't be here. You're going to Tennessee? You're going to Tennessee. Are you still going to Tennessee? Wait, why are you going to Tennessee? Uh, to see, to go camping. Are you going to go to Nashville? No. There's not much camping in Nashville. I thought there was. Okay. Matthew. John. Romans. Ephesians? One before. Philippians? No. First and second Corinthians. G Ga Ga Galatians. Galatians. Ephesians. Yep. Philippians. Colossians. First and second um Thessalonians. Yes. Titus. First and second. Oh, for, for second yes. Titus. Yep. Hebrews. How many Peters? Uh, for first and second Peter. Yeah, first and second Peter. First, second, third, Timothy? No. no. One of the evangelists. First, second, third. The fourth gospel. First, second, third, John. Correct. Um, I know it's not. No, we've already done Titus. It starts with a J. Jew, Jude. Jude, Revelation. Good. Cameron. Can we do it fast? We, we will do it fast. Don't worry. No. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John. Acts, Romans. First and second. First and second. To the church at Corinth. Do I say what he said? What he's going to say? Yes. First Second Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, the church at Colossus. Colossians. Yep. First and Second Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. First and Second Timothy. Matt, the Bible says that the man brews the, brews the coffee, not she brews. Hebrews, yes. Um, wait, James? Uh, yes, 1st, 2nd Peter. 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. Mm-hmm. Jude? Last book. Revelation? Revelation. Just one revelation. Yeah. Not multiple. That's fine. Uh, okay. Now we're going to do it without thinking. You're just going to know it all. Ready? Matthew. Mark. Luke. Acts. Romans. Galatians. Mm. For, for the Christians, um, Galatians. Ephesians. Philippians. For, for Colossians. Um, for, first and second Timothy. Or, first, second Thessalonians. Titus. No, what, for, <laughs> first and second Timothy. Titus. Ti Titus. <laughs> uh, I don't know. 
Peter. James. First and second, Peter. For first, first, second, John. Revelation. <laughs> you. Matthew. Mark. John. Acts. Romans. Church. Yep. Ephesians. Colossians. First and second, Thessalonians. First, second, Timothy. Titus. Philip. Hebrew. James. First and second, Peter. Revelation. Yeah, good. Hey, you're getting better at that. <coughs> By the end of this year, you'll have it down so well, you'll be saying the books of the Bible in your sleep. Your parents are going to hear you down the hall and they're going to say, I what? Sleep. Um, I don't sleep, Todd. Or sleep. Well, you're going to. No, 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 your parents are going to hear Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. He still says the books of the Bible in his sleep? <laughs> Well, I must be a great teacher then, huh? Mom, one time, <laughs> um, heard him yelling, Mom, don't do that. And that's sleep. And you always yell at me. So, so, I went to Wilbur, I, I slept in his bed. I could not sleep. Uh, he was at least he doesn't snore. No, he still snores. Okay. <laughs> that's what Heidi does, actually. What <laughs> is the sixth commandment? Together. Right, let's say it again. What is the sixth commandment? You shall not commit adultery. Yes. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do. And Husband and wife, love and honor one another or each other. Yeah, good. Adultery is not just about having sex when you're not married or being married and having sex with somebody else. It's much more than that. It's about every thought and word and deed that is done. And a Christian is called to be sexually pure and decent. And there's a word for that that is called chaste. We are called to be chaste, so we're not supposed to be making crude and nasty and dirty and foul jokes. We're not supposed to be watching crude or dirty or nasty or foul things. And we're not supposed to be doing crude, nasty, or foul things. Okay? Uh, in everything that you say, in everything that you think, and in everything that you do, we are to be pure and decent. Why? What's important about your body? You only have one body. Okay, you only have one body, sure. But what's important about the one body that you have? Keep you need to keep it healthy. Okay, who made it? God. God made your body, and your body is what for the Holy Spirit? Oh. Do you remember? You are baptized, you are a new person, and you are... A Christian? Well, you are a Christian, yes. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants to dwell in you. And when you sin against your body like you do against the sixth commandment, you push the Lord away and he can't dwell in you, which is bad. So you lead a pure and decent life, a chaste life. Okay? Now, for next time, the catechism is just a review of the fourth, fifth, and sixth commandments. Those three commandments you have done very well on. So this should be really easy because it's all review of the things that you've done so well, okay? 
Nothing new, just the fourth, fifth, and sixth commandments. Got it? All right. The term quiz. Okay. Number one. The name of the Son of God from all eternity. The name of the Son of God from all eternity. Number two, the divine mystery of God becoming man, being conceived in the womb of a virgin, taking on flesh and being born and submitting himself to his creation for the redemption of man. The mystery of God becoming man, being conceived in the womb, taking on flesh, and being born. What is that called? Number three. A phrase used by Jesus to describe the office of the holy ministry into which he would place his chosen twelve. This is the pre it is by the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments that these men, by the power of the Holy Spirit, fished and brought people into the ark of the church. Yes. A phrase that is used by Jesus to describe the office of the holy ministry. It is by the preaching of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments that the men Jesus called fish for people and bring them into the ark of the church. I will also give you a bonus point if you can tell me the term for the original number of apostles whom Jesus called to do this job. Number four. The fullness of God and of his love that comes to man in Jesus' death upon the cross. One enters this place by being baptized into Christ and by receiving from him the gifts of love that he gives. And those gifts will strengthen and preserve the faithful unto life everlasting. What is the name of this place? The fullness of God and of his love that come to man in Jesus' death upon the cross. You enter this thing by being baptized into Christ and by receiving the gifts that he gives. And lastly, number five, the passing on of the mantle of Christ and the apostolic authority through the Holy Spirit in the laying on of hands. 
It is in this act that a man is put into the office of the holy ministry. your bonus point if you can remember the Old Testament event where we get the image of passing on the mantle. This is the question that separates the boys from the men. All right, do you need me to repeat any of those? Two? Two? You, you have two you need me to repeat, or you want me to repeat number two? Okay, number two. I know your hand is up, Cameron. I'll get to you right after this one, okay? Number two. The divine mystery of God becoming man, being conceived in the womb of a virgin, taking on flesh, being born into a world of sin and submitting to creation. This is something that, if you got number one correct, makes a little bit more sense. And here's a clue that I will give you for this. Think of John chapter 1. What is the term that we use for Christ taking on Flesh, being conceived, being born, becoming man. That's what I'm looking for. Cameron. Uh, I have, I only have one for. One? One is the name of the Son of God from all eternity. Think of John chapter 1. Also, this is the last reading every single year on Christmas Eve. And also it's the gospel reading on Christmas Day in church. This is number one, the name of the Son of God from all eternity. And I know that we've done this one before. We've done this one a lot. Yes. And then which one do you need, Cameron? Four. Four? Number four. The fullness of God's love that comes to man in Jesus' death upon the cross. One enters into this place by being baptized into Christ and by receiving from him the gifts of love that he gives. What is the name of this place? I'll give you a clue. We pray for it in the Lord's Prayer. All right, any others that you need me to repeat? Going once, going twice. Gone. Gone. You've lost your opportunity. All right, Sophie, number one. Um, It's not Messiah. Messiah is not Jesus' name from all eternity. Messiah is the same as Christ. It means the anointed one. It's a title, not a name. We'll see. Mason, what do you have for number one? Cameron? Jesus? No. But you, you said the son. 
I said the name of the Son of God from all eternity. When does it, when is his name Jesus? When he is born, his name is Jesus. But he has a name. Seth. Is it the only begotten? No, it isn't. It is the Word. The Word of God. That's why I told you to think of John. Whoops. That's why I told you to think of John chapter 1, because John chapter 1 is in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Son of God is the Word of God. That's really, really, really important. Because that means that anytime we say something like, this is the Word of the Lord, I'm not saying that these are the words of the Lord. I'm saying this is the Word of the Lord. I'm telling you, this is all Jesus. Why do you stand for the gospel? Because it's the actual words and deeds of Jesus, and it's actually Jesus there. Okay? The Word is Jesus. Number two, uh, Sophie, it comes back to you. Mason, number two? Would it be being born? Uh, not being born. That's one of the things that is incorporated into this. Yes? No, that's the same as being born. That's the same answer. It's... The birth of our Lord is something that happens to Jesus, and it's one of many things that all sit under this one big event. Seth? Sophie? You think? Him being conceived is, again, something that happens to him under the broad scope of this. It is the incarnation. The incarnation is everything that has to do with Jesus taking on flesh, which means his being conceived in the womb of Mary, being born, taking on flesh, becoming the one who created all things, becoming a creature who has to obey all the rules of creation, and etc. All of that is part of the incarnation, which is why Jesus is what we would say the incarnate Word. Again, that's why I wanted you to think of John chapter 1. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? Number three. Mason. Um, I don't have a question, but it may have a bonus point. <laughs> How, okay. What is, what's the bonus? Twelve? Put a definite article in front of that. Sophie, the 12, twelve, yeah, just get it. But I need to know what the actual term is. What does Jesus call the twelve to be? Cameron? The twelve. What does he call the twelve to be? Wait, the fishers of men? Yes, fishers of men. That is correct. Fishers of men, that's the phrase that Jesus uses to talk about the office of the holy ministry. I will make you fishers of men. Number four, Seth. Um, Yes, the kingdom of God. Good. The kingdom of God is Christ and the fullness of God that comes in Christ's death and resurrection. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, it doesn't just mean that we say, well, we want to be a part of God's kingdom. It means that all of the 
blessings of Christ's death and resurrection, we want to come to us. Okay. Lastly, Sophie, number five. Not holy orders, but you're really... I'll give you a half point for holy orders. Mason, what do you have? Organization, I think. Uh, say that one more time. Organization? Organization? It's Wait, not... Did you do it? Organization? Yeah. Organization? It's not organization. What do you have, is that what you have written down? No. What, well, what do you have written down? Let me show it to me. Ordination. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Ordination in the laying on of hands. And I forget, I had a bonus question for. Oh, yes, the passing of the mantle. Do you remember which Old Testament event? Sophie? Um, like a witch. What thing in the Old Testament was where there was a passing on of the mantle? That's where we get that. Mason? Cameron? Wait, what? The bonus question. Oh, well, I didn't have, I didn't know the, the bonus question for number five. That's okay. They're just bonus questions. You don't have to know them. It is Elijah and Elisha. Oh, Remember you. when Elisha follows Elijah and then what happens? The chariot comes. And it lifts Elijah up, and then he's carried away in a whirlwind, and he vanishes. He's taken to heaven. Does he die? No, he doesn't die. He's just taken to heaven. That's called being assumed. And then his mantle, or all of his power and authority, goes to Elisha. So Elisha becomes the new great prophet, and that's where we get the or one of the Old Testament accounts where we get the idea of passing on the mantle. And that's what happens in ordination. So your pastor, me, was ordained by someone who was ordained by someone who was ordained by someone who was ordained by someone all the way back who was ordained by someone who was ordained by the apostles who were ordained by Jesus. So Jesus ordains the apostles. The apostles ordain someone that person ordains someone, that person ordains someone, that person ordains someone, and then that person ordains, and it, they keep passing on that mantle down and down and down and down and down. You see how that works? Okay. Yeah, can yes, and it, it'll, it'll keep going on until Jesus comes. And then we won't need the office of the ministry anymore because we'll have Jesus right there to do it all for us. All right. Matthew chapter 11. Oh, whoops. Yes. I mean, I don't have to. I just like to because I keep track so that I know who gets the bragging rights at the end of the year. What'd you get, Sophie? I know you have a point five. Uh, it's a 2.5. 2.5. 2.5. That point five will get, that'll take you places. Seth? Um, four. Cameron? Three out of five. Mason? Two. Okay. Whoops. I'm not going to read it. Right. I'll have the listeners know I have my pen today. Thanks to a kind reminder. Mary Lou texted me to make sure that I brought my pen today and I didn't have to use the pencil. How kind. 
At least someone's looking out for me. Okay. Matthew chapter 11. Beginning at verse 1. Pardon me? Well, it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. I was just on this page. Uh huh. Very good. That's 10 after 1. Okay, and we'll go counterclockwise. So it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. What does Jesus do? What does he go out to do? Preach. Preach and? Teach. And teach. That's right. So what are two things that you would expect the pastor to do? Correct. And what does this pastor do? Preach and teach. Preach and teach, yeah. So we say, what does a pastor do? He preaches, he teaches, and he administers the sacraments. Those are the three really big things that the pastor does. And here's a little tidbit for you. If we said the pastor does only one thing, what do you think that one thing is? Preach. Nope. My teach. Preaching and teaching and administering the sacraments are all things... So you'd be a minister. Uh, ministering, yeah. I am ministering, yes. Ministering means taking care of, which is what I do, part of what I do. But uh, my one job in the whole world as the pastor is to prepare you to die. Oh. That's my one job. So I give you, I preach you to you, and I teach you, and I give Jesus to you, and I take care of you, all so that when the time comes for you to die, you die knowing that Christ is going to keep you safe and that you will rise again. Oh, it's a pretty easy job. I've got to only do one thing. Okay, verse 2. Mm-hmm. Is it going to me? Yes. Okay. Um, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples. Just take verse 3 too. No. And it said to him, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Yes, okay, so where is John the Baptist? In, in prison. He's in prison, yeah. Why is he in prison? Yes. Uh, because, well, was this something about a wife? I thought... It was something about a wife, yes. He, John preached against the adulterous act. Remember, which commandment is adultery forbidden by? Six. Correct, the Sixth Commandment. <clears throat> uh, he preached against the, the adultery of King Herod. And Herod was the one who married his brother's wife and uh, was not a very nice man. And Herod became angry when, Saint, when John told him that he was sinning. And so he put John in prison. All right. So now John is in prison. And what did John hear about in prison? That um, Jesus is spreading the word. Yes. Just what does it say? The deeds of Christ. The deeds of Christ. Yeah, the works of Jesus. All the things that Jesus was doing. Because when you do things like 
raise the dead and turn water into wine and heal the sick. News tend to travel pretty quickly. Uh, so it'd be like if somebody in Craig, Missouri had powers like Superman. Do you think that only the people in Craig and Mound City and Fairfax would know about that? No, the whole world. The whole world would know about it in very short time. Even people on Space would probably know. Probably. So the big things like that, they can't be kept secret. So when Jesus is doing all of these things, the word travels quickly. John hears about it in prison. And why does John send his disciples to Jesus? Well, what's their question? What do they ask Jesus? Are you the coming one or do we look for Yeah, are you the coming one or the one who is to come? Or do we look for another? Well, what does it mean? What does, what does that title mean? The coming one. What does that mean? Like, are you the one that's like coming to tell, the, to tell people about us? Uh, no. They're waiting for one specific person to come. And who is that person? Says? Well, they don't, they don't care about his name being Jesus. They, right. Um, savior. The Savior, right. What names would we call the, give to the Savior? The Word of God. Well, he is the Word of God. But what, what title would we give him? Sophie, hmm? what title would we give the Savior? We would give him... You had it on your term quiz. Uh, Is it? um, I know it's the first. Is it the first one on there? On your term quiz? Yes, Seth. I just can't. Oh, um, I thought you raised your hand. Cameron. The incarnation. No, the incarnation is an an event. (coughs) I I need a title. Yes. No, the word is his name. What's his... There's a difference between a name and a title. My name is Eamon Ferguson, but what is my title to you? What do you call me? Pastor. You don't walk around going, Hey, Eamon, what's up? You call me Pastor. So there's a difference between a name and a title. Jesus' name is Jesus. He is the Word. His title is... Messiah. Messiah! He is the Messiah, the Christ. That's the coming one. What? I know, that's why I told you it was on your quiz. The Messiah. They're waiting for the Messiah. So when they say, are you the one who is to come? Are you the coming one? They're asking, are you the Christ who is going to be sent by God, who is going to save the, the people? Or do we look for another? Now, why would they ask, or do we look for another? So they don't give the wrong guy. Well, sure, but why would they think? Jesus is the one who's... Casting out demons and healing the sick and doing all that kind of that all that kind of stuff. Why would they come and say, "Are we supposed to look for somebody other than you?" Because John is in prison. Because John is in prison, and his disciples doubt that Jesus really is the Christ. Because he let John be put in prison. Because John's disciples think. That if Jesus is the Christ, then he's going to make sure that everyone who follows him can't be touched. They're gonna, that he's going to rescue his people, that he's going to kick out 
the Romans that he's going to make Israel great again. And that's what they think. So when John gets thrown in prison, they say, well, wait a minute. Maybe this Jesus really isn't the Christ. Is that what John thinks? No. No. How do you know that that's not what John thinks? Because he's met. Pardon me? He's met him. Well, sure, he's met him. What did he do in the womb? What? No, what did John do in the uh, womb when, when uh, Mary came to visit Elizabeth? I started kicking. Not kicking, but... St- up and... He leaped in the womb, yeah. He did a big joyful jump in the womb because he knew the Christ. John does not doubt. John understands, but his, he knows that his disciples doubt. So he sends his disciples to Jesus knowing that Jesus will set them straight. Why does John not doubt? Well, because in addition to knowing that Jesus was the Christ, even while he was in the womb, he also knows that, what is his job? John's job. What is John's job? Um, To, like, tell people about Jesus? Yes. When? Before. Before, yes. He is the forerunner. So he's the one who makes ready for Jesus. But now that Jesus is here, and we talked about this last time, now that Jesus is here, do they need the forerunner around to prepare the way anymore? No. no. So John goes like this and he preaches and gets really big, and then Jesus comes in, and then Jesus gets big and what happens to John? He goes down. He goes down. <coughs> yeah. John says, "He must I must increase and or excuse me, he must increase and I must decrease. That's what John says. I was out on the center stage for you, but I was only warming you up. And now that he's here, I'm going to leave the stage and he'll come and he's the one that's really important. And he goes to, and goes to the next town. And then Jesus, yeah, then Jesus goes and preaches just like John did, but Jesus is the Messiah, not the forerunner. So, next Verse 4, Mason. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the thing which you heard and see. Yep. The, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead, the, the dead are raised up, and the poor have, have the gospel preached to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Yes, okay, or because of me. So what does it mean when Jesus says, hey, go and tell John all of the things that you hear and see? What are the things that they are hearing and seeing? Him preaching. Yeah, all these things right here. What, are you, what, are you, what do you see? What do you see me do? Well, here the, uh, the blind can see now, and the lame can walk. And the lepers are all cleansed, and the deaf can hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Uh, Jesus knows that when John's disciples see all of these things, they will not doubt. Why? Why will they not doubt, Mason? Who's the only one that can do those things? Jesus. Mm, Yes, but give me a better answer than Jesus. 
Who's the only one that can heal a leper or raise the dead? That's a good one. Who's the only one that can raise the dead? Yes, the Lord, and we would, what else would you call the Lord? The Word. What else would you call him? Jesus. A three-letter word. There's lots of names. Sophie. Son. Okay, think of the whole Trinity. What would we call the whole Trinity that we love and worship? What would we call him? Do you believe in? God. God, yes. So you're right. Everything you said, Mason, was right. I'm just being nitpicky. Okay. Uh, yes, only God can do those things. But now Jesus is doing those things, which would mean what about Jesus? If only God can raise the dead and Jesus raises the dead, then, then Jesus is God. Then Jesus is God, yes. So... Uh, that's the answer to the question, hey, are you the Messiah? What do you think? Basically, yes. is what, I'm, what, do you, what do you think? You go, you go back to John and you tell him all the things that you saw and the things that you heard. And he says that because he knows that when they see and hear, they're going to go back to John and they're going to say, oh my goodness, he really is the Christ. He heals the lepers. He gives the blind their sight. He raises the dead. And John's going to be in prison and say, yeah, I know. I told you. I know. Okay. I told you. Uh, only God can do this. But there's something else. Because all of the things that Jesus do, does in his ministry are the fulfillment of what the Old Testament said. Everything in the Old Testament is all about Jesus. And when Jesus talks and works, all the things that he does and say says are uh, the fulfillment of what the Old Testament said. The only person who can fulfill the Old Testament is the Christ. Everything that Jesus does just screams, hey I am God, and I am the Christ, and I'm going to save my people. Which is why it's sort of silly when people say, Oh, well, I know you're raising the dead, which only God can do, but are you really God? Or, I know you're for, I, wait a minute, you just forgave that guy's sins. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, really Yeah, guy, I know only God for, can forgive sins, and I just forgave sins. Which means, I am God. But then he says, are you really God? Yeah, and then he says, but are you, I don't know, show me another sign. And then it just keeps going. Yep, yep. So, uh, now, let's go ahead here. Uh, As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king houses. King but, houses. but what did you do? What did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, I, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is been. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Mm-hmm. Truly I say to you, 
Among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is, <clears throat> who is least in the kingdom of, he of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophets prophesied. prophesied. You know, so, do you know what it means to prophesy? To prophesy means to speak forth prophecy. And what is prophecy? To what does a prophet speak? Uh, the what about God? Yeah, to speak forth the word of God. So a prophet, like the prophet Isaiah, speaks forth the word of God. Okay, so uh, all the prophets and the law, and that means the entire Old Testament, all of the Old Testament scriptures preached until John about who? Jesus. Je well, not Jesus. Yes, Jesus, but what about what person? The Christ. Yes, the Christ. The all of the Old Testament speak spoke about the Christ. And then here comes John and he says, Hey, I'm gonna to talk to you about the Christ. He's coming and he's right there. And then Jesus comes and says, Hey, I'm the Christ. Everything Stop. everything in the old in the whole Old Testament, that's all the stuff that John told you. And all the stuff that John told you and that they told you, I'm it. I'm all of it. Right here. Okay? Now, what is it, why is he asking this of the crowds? Why, what did you go out to see? What does that mean? It means, what did you think John was? Did you think that, what, did you think he was a reed shaken by the wind? What does that mean? A reed in the wind. What happens to a reed in the wind? It blows. Blows around. Where does it blow? In the air. Really yeah, but what di what direction? Always. Yeah, but how how do you know which direction it's going to blow? About looking at a compass. <coughs> You're okay. Let me. I'm asking the question in a bad way. If the reed is standing like this and it starts going like this. That means that the wind is blowing this way. And if it stops and it goes this way, which way is the wind going? This way. If the wind blows this way, it goes this way. If the wind blows that way, it goes this way. If the wind goes that way, it goes this way. Whichever way the wind blows, that's the way the reed goes. Now, is that the way that John is? Whatever people want him to say, he'll say. If you don't want me to tell you about your sins, boy, I won't. But these people do, so I'll tell them. Does he do whatever people want him to do? No, he does what God wants him to do. It makes him kind of unpopular. He's in prison right now for that. The king didn't want to hear about his sins. And he could have said, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I don't want to offend the king because I might be put in prison. But instead he said, no. My job is to preach the word of the Lord, even if that means I'm put in prison. I don't bow down to man, I bow down to God. He's not a reed. What did you expect him to be? A, a sort of a spineless coward? He's not that. And then, did you expect him to wear soft garments? No. 
What's the kind of a person that wears soft garments? Pardon me? Not the poor. No. Something that's really soft and nice and luxurious, like silky smooth. Well, yeah, the rich. And Jesus says, yeah, but those people live in king's houses. It's the rich folks that live in king's houses that wear the silky, smooth, fancy, soft garments. Because what do the poor wear? Like dirty clothes. Rough. Yeah, they don't, they don't have the nice woven soft clothes. But when he says, when he says that, does it mean it's bad to wear soft clothes? No, you can wear soft clothes. What, he, what he's saying is, did you expect John to be somebody who is lazy that sits around and eats food in a king's palace? Or somebody that really works hard and, and cares about his work more than he cares about what he looks like and what he wears. Really, really well, that's what you should expect, but then the, when the people are asking, well, well, who really was he and what was he doing? And then Jesus says, if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is Elijah, and Elijah is going to be the one to preach about the Christ. And the prophet said, Elijah's going to come back. Well, guess what? Elijah is back, and John is Elijah. He looks like Elijah, he talks like Elijah, and if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. duck. If he looks like Elijah and he talks like Elijah, he's probably Elijah. Elijah. And if Elijah's back, who who does that mean is coming? The Lord. The Messiah. Yeah, the Messiah, the Christ. Who is the Lord, who is Jesus, but the title... That's what's important. So, now, let's skip ahead a little bit. We're going to go to John, chapter 3. And while we're turning there, why does it not matter? The disciples of John are going to see and hear things, but what is more important? The things that they're seeing and hearing or Jesus' fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. Uh, Correct. Yeah, the signs uh, are not the signs are not the thing that is proof of Jesus being the Christ and the Son of God. What is the proof is that everything that Jesus is, says, and does fulfills all of the Old Testament. Everything in there is about Him. Okay. Now, we'll start at verse 22. John chapter 3, verse 22. This is you, Sophie. Mm-hmm. Oh. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judea countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptized. Was baptizing. Mm-hmm. Now, who else baptizes? Yeah, John. John chapter 3, Mason. John chapter 3, verse 22. Yeah, John is also baptizing, and now Jesus is baptizing. Hmm, interesting. 23, Mason. Now John also was baptizing... Baptizing. Baptizing in... Enon. Enon near... Salim. Salim, because there was much water there... And they came and 
were baptized. Yes, who came and was baptized? John. No. Sophie? John. No. <laughs> Cameron, who came? Who is they? Uh, the, the, the disciples. Who? No. Seth? No. The, the people of yeah. Amy. And the people. I was going to say everyone. <laughs> the people came to John to be baptized. Okay. For, for John had not yet been thrown in the prison. Yes, yeah, so we're going back in time just a little bit here. Yeah. John is not yet in prison, but he'll be in there very soon. 25. Now a discussion arose between some, some of... Rabbi, John's disciples, and a Jew over purification. Yes, and this is now yours says a discussion, but it's a dis, it's a dispute, it's an argument about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified. Behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. Who is that? Everybody. Who is the he who is baptizing? Jesus. Jesus, yeah. They say, hey, wait, you're the one that is called the Baptist. You're the one who's baptizing. But now there's this other guy, and he's baptizing, and everyone's going to him now instead of you. What's going on? What's up with this? John answered and said, Sophie. John answered, and John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You, you yourself bear me within witness. That witness that I say I am not the Christian Christ. Christ, but I have been sent from him. Yeah. Before him. Before him, yeah. I'm the forerunner. I'm not Jesus, I'm not the Christ and I'm not going to pretend to be the Christ, but I am the one who's going to prepare the way and the Christ is coming after me. He, he, he who has the, the, the bride of the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and, and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the, the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, then the story of mine is... Fulfilled. Yes. He, he must increase, but I must decrease. Yes, okay. So he says, well, sure, I was sort of an important person, but who's the most important person at the wedding? Is it the man who's being married, or is it his best man? Oh, the man that's being married. Right. I mean, it's nice to see the friends of the bride and groom. You, you see the, the maid of honor up there and it's nice to know that the bride has a good friend and the the um, best man at my wedding that was my brother was he my brother was my best man at my wedding now that's a really nice thing is that an important and an honorable place to if someone asks you to be their best man or their maid of honor Mm -hmm. well sure it is but the but even if you are the maid of honor or the best man at the wedding, and this is what John is saying, even if, you know, I'm like the best man at the wedding, 
Am I there to be the star of the show? No. Is my job important? Yes, it is. But my, it's not about me. So I am happy that somebody is greater than I. I'm happy that this Christ is more important than I am. Because now it's time for me to decrease and him to increase. increase. Right. Uh, 31. Is that me? Oh, okay. He who comes from above is above all. Who comes from above? Jesus. Yes. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. Who is that? Who's the one that comes of the earth? John. John. Yeah, he's talking about himself. He said, the one who comes from heaven is above all. The one who comes from earth is earthly. Uh the one who comes from heaven is above all. Look, Jesus comes from heaven. I am of the earth. He is much more important than I am. Why are you upset that he's baptizing? This is his whole job. 33. He bears witness. 33. I thought it was 32. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Sorry. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard. Yet no one receives his testimony he who has received his testimony 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 has certified certified that God is true for he who God has speaks the word has speaks the words of God for God does not give the spirit but by men measure um, is it 35? Yep. Yeah. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So what is John's big long answer? He says, listen, why was, why was John baptizing? Because he was like um, trying to um, get people ready for Sure, yes. And who gave him the authority to baptize? Jesus. God gave him the authority to baptize. And he's, so now he says, well, that's the Son of God right there. And God loves his Son and gave all authority to his Son. So am I going to be the one that gets angry when the God who gave me the authority to baptize now gives all of that authority to his own Son, who is of heaven? No. He says, I'm not the Christ and I'm not going to pretend to be him. It's time for me to go fade away and it's time for him to get big. What? Do you shut those? Almost. You can close your Bible. You have a hard time. I was going to say, I mean, you kind of have to close it to fit it in your backpack. Uh, okay, your terms. Firstly, remember, you are reviewing the commandments 4, 5, and 6. Nothing new. Then you have unbelief and doubt. Okay. Uh, oh, I need to turn the page here. Unbelief is the hardening of the heart and doubting is not trusting in the Lord. Conversion 
which is to be brought out of unbelief back into faith, and faith, which is the living and daring confidence in the words and promises of God, and lastly, the sign of Elijah. So last year when we were in the Old Testament, you had the sign of Jonah, and now we have the sign of Elijah, which is the office of John the Baptist. Any questions? Okay, very good. Let's go pray.